So this clear, this surah clearly starts out by chastising and warning Abu Lahab. Uh, Atab, this word that Allah uses is verb, it means to lose or destroy, and it is a form of a supplication. And this is just as Abu Lahab said this to the Prophet Allah he responded to him in kind. So Allah he specifies his hands because it comes in some narrations that Abu Lahab himself, he actually, after the Prophet said that, he picked up a rock, he tried picking up a rock with both his hands, trying to aim and trying to throw it at the Prophet And because of that action, Allah specified his hands here. And there are other reasons that some of the Mufassirin mentioned that we will get into and we'll talk about inshallah. Uh, but Abu Lahab himself, his name was Abdul Uzza ibn Abdul Muttalib. He was the paternal uncle of the Prophet He was also known as Abu Utba, and he was known as Abu Utba because Utba was one of his sons. Uh, he was also known as Abu Lahab in Jahiliya uh, because he was handsome and his face was said to light up. And we'll talk about what actually Lahab means. Uh, Allah avoided using his actual name because it would be an honor to have Uzza mentioned as the slave of someone. So this is why Allah used his kunya or used his nickname to call upon him or to address him. Uh, and then another possibility is that uh, the name also has a double meaning and could indicate that he would etern- eventually end up in the fire. So basically what lahab is, is uh, when we look at a fire, we can actually see the tips of the fire, right? If there's a fire that doesn't have any smoke, you can see the tips of that fire. These tips, or these tips, or this part of the fire is actually known as lahab. And the reason that he was called Abu Lahab in, in Jahiliyyah is because those are usually the brightest part of the fire and the, the one that act, attracts the most attention of the individual. And that's why they used to call him Lahab. And because his face was, he was handsome, so it was as if it was enlightening, you know, something that was bright. And you know how we say, you know, his, his face lit up is something that we commonly use in uh, English expression. And it's a very similar expression in, in Arabic that somebody's face is lightened or somebody's light is to show that this individual was uh, handsome. And uh, like we said, some of the Mufassirin, they, they also say that Allah was not shy to use this kunya or not shy to use this nickname because lahab actually means fire, right? It actually means fire. So that meaning could also apply to him, indicating and showing that he would eventually end up in the hellfire itself. Um, so Abu, like him being called Abu Lahab, it's, it was common for the Arabs to have a nickname for someone and they would put Abu in front of his name. Uh, majority of the time it was based off the oldest son. So whatever the eldest son's name would be, they would, he would be Abu so-and-so. So for example, my eldest son is Sahib, so I would be known as Abu Sahib, uh, and so on and so forth. But sometimes it was named after a characteristic, or they would name certain months after using this Abu. Like for example, the month of Ramadan, it's a, it's a month that's known for what? For blessing, huh? it's a month that's known for blessing. So it is known. It is also called one of the nicknames for Ramadan is Abu Barakat. Do you understand? So the Arabs they used to do this with certain characteristics, and they used to name certain things. And a very famous Abu in our tradition, in Islamic tradition, is who? Abu Abu Huraira. Very famous, right? Did, did he actually father a cat? No. It, it was just because this cat used to stay with him, and this is why the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam named him that. And Abu Lahab could also possibly be used as a nickname for firewood. So going into the actual ayah and discussing the actual ayah, Allah he starts by saying, Tabbat yada Abi Lahab He said, may your two hands be destroyed or may the hands of Abu Lahab be destroyed. So, and then he says, and may he be ruined too. Had Allah willed, 
he would have, he would have just said, huh? Tabban li Abu Lahab. Right? May Abu Lahab be destroyed. But Allah he doesn't say that. He said, may his hands be destroyed. So, and this is something that's very interesting and something that's very metaphorical when we talk about somebody's hands being destroyed. And, and as we continue on into the surah and discuss more into the surah, we'll see how all of this actually relates back. So when we think of somebody's hands, what are some things that come to mind? What do we use our hands for? Okay, so we think of doing something, right? Whether it be what? Bad or good, irrelevant, right? Whether it be bad or good. And how do we do those things? We use our hands. So hands is very symbolic for what? For, for actions and for earnings and for cusp and you know, gathering all of these things. So Allah what is He basically saying here? May all of your what be destroyed? Huh? Not just hands, not the physical, not just the physical hands. All of your actions. May all of the actions that you do be destroyed. And in addition to that, what? And you yourself. Not, not just your actions. Not everything that you did in the past. Not all the good that you did. Anybody you ever helped. Anybody who you ever generous with. Any dua that you made. Any good deed that you did. May all of those things be destroyed. Including you. So how Allah responds to Abu Lahab it, it, we can see the eloquence and the greater response that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually has for the response of Abu Lahab. Right? Abu Lahab, he said, he said, Tabban lak. That's it. That's, you know, that, that he said, he said, may you be destroyed. Allah Azawajal, he takes it a step further in his response to him and he brings a more eloquent response to him. Say, may your actions be destroyed because it's not just you now as an individual. Anything associated with you, anything with you, may that also be destroyed. And you as well And the interesting thing about this is How could Abu Lahab have responded to this? To this surah in general How could he have responded to this That would have just completely undermined the entire surah Not just being good Because let, let's assume he was generous Let's assume that He just really hated the Prophet What is something that he could have done That would have completely undermined the surah If he accepted Islam Subhanallah. Yeah, this is a Makki surah. It was revealed four years after the Prophet ﷺ received revelation. To undermine this entire surah, all he had to do was say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. And it would have completely undermined the entire surah, and it would have completely destroyed the religion. Yes or no? But this is Allah's promise for him, for this individual, that you are misguided, and you will stay misguided, and you will be in the hellfire. Subhanallah. It shows the miracle of Islam. I'm sorry? It shows miracle yeah, and it shows the miracle of Islam that this individual will never accept. Allah is giving us a ghaybi, He's giving us something of the unseen. And this is something that, that we have to remember with each other all the time. We can never say this person is in the hellfire and this person is in paradise. We can't. When is the only time we can say for surety with 100% that this person is in the hellfire or this person is in paradise? Right, if Allah mentions him or. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Right? They're not mentioned in the Quran. How do we know who they are? Because the Prophet sallallahu told us who they were. The munafiqeen. How do we know who they were? Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned who they were. 
And so there are certain individuals that we need divine inspiration to tell us that these individuals are in the hellfire or these individuals are in paradise. And this is something that, that we need to remember when we're dealing with anyone because there's a chance for anybody who we deal with. Whether it be myself, whether it be anybody else, that that person, even though he might look like he might be going to paradise, there's a chance that he will end up in hell, and the opposite also holds true. And we ask Allah to protect us all and to make us from those who enter his paradise. So, ta'ala, inshallah, we'll uh, continue the, uh, the discussion next week. But this, this next ayah, I'll read the translation of it because it is directly related to the first one. It says, That neither his wealth nor his gains will help him. And this is directly related to the first verse. Why won't they help him? Because Allah, is a, he already said what? He said, he said, he said your, hands are, your, your actions are already destroyed. And you think all of this wealth that you've gathered, you think all of this that you have, all of this that you own, you think this is going to help you in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's not going to help you at all. And we'll discuss this ayah more inshallah and how some of these ayat we can learn from as individuals stepping back being as Muslims because obviously this Quran, yes, it was revealed to Quraysh and it was revealed you know, against Abu Lahab but what are some things that we can benefit and what are some things that we can take care of and by Allah, we'll talk more about this next week inshallah Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam and one of the reasons I want to delay until next week is Asha is going to be earlier too so we'll have, we'll have a little bit more time and I don't want to keep you guys too long inshallah but Jazakum so uh, any questions? No.